welcome to the Spirit of the Endeavor. I'm Jamaica Zogelman. And I'm Kodiak Julian, and we're going to talk about the pursuit of beauty, mystery, and the sublime in everyday life. At the top of our show, we like to start with something we call Awesome Possum. So, Kodiak, what is Awesome Possum to you right now? I'm thinking a lot about the nature of gift giving mm-hmm. and how gift giving in a just very free way and with a sense of generosity and nothing expected in return Mm. is an amazing way to change energy in the world around you. Well, when he said gift giving, I'm thinking like, this is not Christmas. (laughs) This is a totally different kind of gift giving. It's not prescribed or following any sort of like cultural or social expectation. Mm -hmm. Well, what's hilarious actually is as I was saying that, I was totally picturing Santa Claus. And I was thinking about, you know, how cool it is that idea of somebody to just give gifts just out of sheer love, but yes. that isn't the na- that isn't the origin of this thought in the first place. Nor do most of us get to really be Santa Claus and nothing else around <laughs> Christmas. Like we give and we get, <laughs> and it's at this time on this day <laughs> instead of being, you know, I don't know, a little more not spontaneous necessarily. I think you know, lots of thought and planning goes into a good gift, but also it just sort of has more of a flow that's involved with the moment, you know what I mean? Mm. I don't know. Because I like Christmas, obviously. Mm-hmm. That's like saying I like puppies. <laughs> I like puppies and Christmas and pizza. <laughs> but there is something really magical about a present that is given without it being like a Christmas present. It's just a it's just a thing that happened. So in addition to Christmas and <laughs> July thoughts that we seem to be having where this was starting out in my brain was thinking about the concept of thank you gifts and Mm. how much I love it when somebody does something really wonderful for you and you can thank them by giving them a present. (laughs) And it just seems like, well, one, it surprises the other person. And so that's really cool to delight somebody with a (laughs) surprise. And then it makes me feel better by getting to say thank you with a gesture that's yeah. that's bigger than my words and, and words are important but also mm-hmm. sometimes taking an extra step and doing a nice thing for somebody is really really cool yeah but there's a bigger thought still about where this all came from and and it was that i spent last weekend at an event celebrating the summer solstice yeah with- i can't believe you didn't lead with that <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of other women and girls in the woods. And one of the practices uh, for the celebration was coming with something that had been special and dear to you and wrapping it up and doing almost like a white elephant gift exchange. Um, we, we laid out all the gifts and... Um, took turns of seven people walking around this enormous Mm. blanket covered with gifts and then identifying one and holding it up in the air and then the gift giver could come and see which gift had been chosen and explain the significance of the gift that had once been special in their lives that was now ready for a new home and ready to be released to be special in somebody else's life in a different kind of a way and then once your gift was selected you got to pick a new one Mm. so the thing that had been special in my life that 
I was ready to send to a new home were some prayer flags that had been in my son Ender's bedroom since before he was born until just recently when he just became ready for some new decoration (laughs) in his room. What I ended up receiving when I chose a small package on the blanket and a little girl ran up and had been the donor of it. She said inside there is something that had belonged to my great-great-grandmother and she was a mountain rescuer and she was trying to rescue somebody off a mountain when she died of a heart attack oh my and this had belonged to her and i open up the package and inside are these beautiful rhinestone starflower dangly earrings and you're wearing them and right I'm now wearing them and they're sparkly and fabulous and they were from her great great grandmother who is a mountain rescuer yeah I, everything about this is amazing to me i wish that there was like a way to show the face that i'm making about all of this. <laughs> oh. so not only am i feeling thrilled by the ideas of thank you gifts and with just generous giving out of the love of doing it, but also that sort of free exchange of benevolent energy with people when you don't even know who's going to be getting something, but you know that you're going to be sending something special to somebody. And then I came back into town. It was making me think of the little free libraries that are now cropping up all around our neighborhood and how you can take something wonderful and put it inside of a little free library and somebody else can find it. And the book that I'm reading right now, Fall on Your Knees by Anne Maria MacDonald, is an amazing book. And I found it by sheer chance of the little free library. This book right here on my table, it's the, the book, Hidden Figures, that the movie was based on that came from the little free library. So yay to generous giving with zero expectations attached yeah. and just putting something good into the world and letting somebody else find something good mm-hmm. in the world. It's Awesome Possum. Coming up, it's something we'd like to try, but first, for the first time ever, an actual sponsorship opportunity. Hey, so a lot of you know that I attended the Clarion Workshop for Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers five years ago now. Oh my goodness. And it's an amazing workshop because this is an opportunity to not only breed new cohorts of writers who will write your favorite books, (laughs) but also to imagine better futures. And we know of so many scientists who have been inspired and challenged by the world of science fiction, Mm -hmm. and so many great thinkers who've been inspired and challenged by the world of fantasy. And so we can not only be inspired by the world around us to make great art, but we can also use great art to inspire and change the world around us. And so this is, this is, I believe, incredibly important. And as is the incredibly important mission of Clarion to add greater diversity, both in terms of gender and ethnicity, um, international representation to the world of science fiction and fantasy writers. So with that in mind, it is now the beginning of the Clarion Workshop for 18 wonderful new writers, and I'm participating in the Clarion Write-a-thon this year. And how this works is that 
I'm going to try very hard to meet my writing goals and you can sponsor me. And if you do, then you will have the opportunity to have a character in one of our ads named after you. So I strongly encourage you to go to the Clarion Write-A-Thon website and sponsor me, Kodiak Julian, (laughs) and have a character in a future Spirit of the Endeavor ad (laughs) named after you or with a made-up name of someone you like or, you know, the name of your pet if you prefer. Yes. I was like, please have a good name, though. (laughs) Yes. Please have a good name. Preferably if your name is hilarious, but also if it's not. And there you have it, an actual endorsement from Spirit of the Endeavor. Next up, we talk about something that we would like to try. So, Jamaica, what would you like to try? I would like to try doing some actual work as an artist at the beach. How very ambitious of you. (laughs) I'm going to be going with my family and another family to Ocean City, and we'll be there for four days, and it will be wonderful. And I had sort of written off the summer, quite honestly, (laughs) because... um, I I haven't produced anything in like two weeks. And Avery was asking, so how are you going to pack your work stuff? Ooh. And I'm like, "Um, what now? (laughs) Well, I said, well, I I get to just like hang out and play at the beach, but you'll have all this time Mm. that, you know, you won't just be parenting by yourself. Aren't you going to bring your art supplies? Like, yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) So... For the first time, I'm going to actually be trying to do professional work outside the home in terms of actually creating pieces that I'm happy with that mm-hmm. I didn't make in my like little safe spot in the house. <laughs> it seems a very small thing to try, but I'm looking forward to the ways that it's going to challenge me to do new things yeah. because if I've learned anything, it's that restrictions actually boost creativity and I'm guaranteed to find them (laughs) and to find ways to work around them and to be inspired by cool new stuff I get to see and hear and smell. So what's not to love? Do you have any plans of how you're going to pull this off? I'm just going to really try not to get sand in my favorite pens. (laughs) (laughs) End of plan. (laughs) I have a big art board with clips on the top. I'm going to try to just bring small stuff, you know, small paper, because anything big, I think, risks becoming a kite. Yeah. And, um, you know, keep it small, keep my expectations small, Mm -hmm. keep my, you know, length of time that I've chunked out for this small, Mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully come away with some little treasures. Wow. I love that idea of knowing that you are going to be facing restrictions Mm -hmm. and taking advantage of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a time in my life recently when artistic restriction would have been a hurdle, you know, a roadblock. And even if I know it's good for me, like take your vitamin artist, (laughs) it would have just been one more step making it too challenging to try this. And, you know, it's nice to be just enough in my comfort zone with being like, yeah, this is what I do, that I could know I'm going to be challenged and that there are things that are going to come up that might make me think like this is this is too hard I need to just be at the beach with my family and not Mm. anything else on top of that and um I'm just excited to see what I do when that (laughs) happens coming up it's Professor Fixit but first a word from our sponsor
Summer is here, and you know what that means. All of the elementary school principals in your neighborhood have been turned loose to cavort and frolic. I was up this morning to do a little gardening before it got too hot, and there were four elementary school principals doing cartwheels in my yard. I think one of them damaged my sprinklers. The big guy tried to do a round-off, but my dog chased him away. It seems like you just can't go past the swimming hole these days without five or six principals doing cannonballs and scaring all the fish. It's getting so a pair of law-abiding college deans can't skinny dip in peace. The traffic was backed up yesterday because a whole pack of principals decided to chase the ice cream truck. One of them got into the cross guard closet and was wearing that orange vest holding a flag at a line of SUVs while she waved her friends across the street. The hospital emergency room was full to overflowing on Saturday night after 12 principals decided to bounce together on the same trampoline. They arrived complaining of bonked heads and bloody noses. Triage nurses administered baby aspirin and bags of frozen peas wrapped in paper towels, and the principals were allowed to lie on cots in the dark while waiting for their parents to pick them up. Fortunately, there is a better way for the principal in your life to spend their summer vacation. Sign them up for principal camp. Spare your community the shenanigans that can result from a sudden withdrawal from meetings, number two pencils, and acronyms. At principal camp, your principal can throw the assistant principal in the lake, TP the high school principal's cabin, play flashlight tag after lights out, catch pink eye, and sniff Mr. Sketch markers until her nostrils turn purple. Principals are invited to participate in enrichment activities, such as STEM, where they can use rubber cement to make realistic boogers, and a craft class focusing on using different parts of the human body to make fart sounds. After hours, principals may socialize and read Goosebumps books to each other at the Paste Bar, while the more daring elementary school principals sneak into the bathroom to say Bloody Mary into the mirror and then run away squealing. Just don't be the first principal to fall asleep in the cabin, or someone from another district is sure to dip your hand in warm water. Principal Camp! Everything you suspected about what educators do over the summer break is true. Now it's time for Professor Fix-It, in which we talk about things that we would like to figure out. So, Kodiak, what do you have for the professor today? Okay, this is like the most hippy-dippy granola problem. Oh, uh, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> have you so, met me? <laughs> so, <laughs> I am looking for how to be a vessel of love <laughs> without totally depleting myself. Oh, I had a really, really, really amazing end of the school year mm. in which there was a lot of love flowing in my classroom, and it was really, really great. And then having just come from a woman's summer solstice celebration, there was a lot of just a, just a lot of like that, that spirit of namaste, of like, mm -hmm. the, you know, the light in me sees the light in you. And it was amazing, amazing. And both of these things have totally exhausted me. Huh. And it seems, you know, from, again, my hippy-dippy granola philosophy, as though 
if there is infinite love in the universe and you just let it come through you, this should not be draining. <laughs> and yet it feels so amazing in the moment. And then at the end, I need to go and sleep for 14 hours. Well, it's an incredibly intense sensory experience, if nothing else. <laughs> you know, and you pile on top of that, that you are a conduit for love, but also you're having an emotional experience along with that. Mm. Like, of course, it's going to be somewhat tiring. Mm. I, I think that makes absolute sense. So I guess my question would be like, are you really looking for a way to have it not ever make you tired that <laughs> you're like, you know, loving really fiercely in the world or just for some ways to set boundaries for yourself so that you know when to step back? Well, I think what I need to learn is how to do this in a way that's sustainable mm -hmm. because this feels like the most amazing way to interact with the world mm -hmm. and th this is how I want to interact with the world from now on mm -hmm. and I'm really excited that something inside of me or inside of the world or inside of my environment has like woken up to how to love in a bigger and stronger and more real kind of a way and so then how do I do that and keep having a sustainable life? You might be asking the wrong person because my philosophy is if loving everyone is the thing that kills me, I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, I guess there's that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's see. Let's break it down. So what, what exactly was it do you think that made you feel so tired? I mean, maybe in part it's just introversion. <laughs> I mean, to have like a lot of really intense emotional experiences is exhausting. Mm -hmm. And if I take this from like a, a you know skeptical sort of an angle, then mm -hmm. then it's it's me putting a lot of emotional energy out there instead of like you know the universe comes through me or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, who 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 of us knows how any of this stuff works? Yeah. But but uh, but but we know that our our feelings are real. Yeah. So somehow having like really intense emotional experiences with other people is mm -hmm. very tiring. I including when they're extremely positive. Yeah. Do you think it had to do with there being a lot of people there as well? Would it have been different, do you think, if it was a small group or like one-on-one? -on -one? When I have been in the biggest, most intense emotional experiences of my life, aside from falling in love, mm. uh, which, you know, is exhilarating and then you can't sleep, um, right. <laughs> then um, those other big, intense emotional experiences have made me really worn out and and often really hungry like just like my body needs are just like more yeah hmm. so it doesn't really matter if it's a big group small group if it's a big feeling then you're gonna need to charge your batteries i think so i mean probably big groups are probably more challenging just again as an introvert but 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 i think even like small groups of people can set that off yeah i don't know pack snacks <laughs> <laughs> can do <laughs> I'm just, I'm laughing because this is like absolutely something that I believe and try to practice and I have no real strategy for dealing with the fact that it's like, oh yeah, no, it'll knock you right out, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> Cost of doing business, I guess, and yeah. being really and wholly present with someone. Like that's the gift you give. Yeah, I and I guess there's something to just 
you know, knowing now that it's going to come and so planning for yeah. it and, you know, just changing my sense of expectations. But then it also makes me think about like, well, then what is it that is nurturing to my emotional levels in addition to taking oh, in yeah. lots of love? Because you would think that that would be like the thing that would just like keep on recharging. But, you know, maybe maybe there's something else. Maybe, you know, it's maybe it's nature or exercise mm-hmm. or a sunshine or yeah. who knows. Well, I think it, we're complex enough beings that something can exhaust you and fill you up at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, you know, don't fight that, I guess. (laughs) Uh, But certainly, yeah, if there is something that makes you feel loved back up in that same way that you are just letting the world be a safe and welcoming place for another person, if there's something you can do that makes you feel that for you, Mm -hmm. then obviously that would (laughs) sort of fill that very specific little hole that you feel after you've done that work for someone else yeah and I I think it's doing that work is what fills me Mm -hmm. and it wipes me out too all right same boat so (laughs) what a wonderful problem to have right isn't it neat that we get to do this (laughs) and thus you have it kindred spirits (laughs) the most cringy question I have ever asked on spirit of the endeavor and possibly in my life like oh man I could top that (laughs) And now it's time for elementary, my dear, in which we talk about something that we have figured out. So, Jamaica, what is elementary to you right now? There is something that I figured out a bit of a while ago, but as an adult, which seems seems revolutionary to be having mm-hmm. these epiphanies about how being a human works when you've already been doing it so long, but I finally figured out a few years ago that you can't make people happy oh yeah it seems so obvious and also so blasphemous (laughs) because isn't that what we're all trying to do at all times yeah we want to make people happy and i don't know about you but i have felt as though there were people in my life who made me happy Mm -hmm. and to realize that the responsibility for that happiness comes only from within it's not even supplemented by other people like Mm -hmm. i can have relationships that bring me a lot of joy and I can have friendships and you know a partnership that are deeply important and valuable to me but they don't make me happy Mm. that's (laughs) it's empowering and terrifying Mm. and it goes the same way I can love someone fiercely Mm. and have no responsibility whatsoever for their happiness Mm. And especially with my children, mm-hmm. this has changed the way that I relate to them. Because, God, that's all I want to do mm-hmm. is make them be happy. Just be happy. I'll just do the mm. things right and then you'll be happy. And and it doesn't work like mm. that. And then when someone's not finding happiness and peace and a sense of wholeness inside themselves, that it doesn't help to then mm. internalize it on yourself and... Mm. try to like do things differently Mm. to to change the outcome now that i have this like really deep and sort of uncomfortable awareness that i i can't get in there and fix things inside your head child Mm. it's changing the way that i interact with them and opened up opportunities for me to just show them how i find joy 
mm-hmm. and say things like, you know, I would really love it if you could enjoy this thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And if you could let go of this part of your day or your week or your life that you feel like mm-hmm. is unsatisfactory. When I need to let things go, here's something I do. Mm-hmm. Or every day is going to be a mixed bag but mm-hmm. the things we pay attention to are the things we're going to see. Mm-hmm. We talk about our tomato plants, and if we want a tomato plant to grow big and strong, we water it. Mm-hmm. So let's just water the ones that we want to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, the memories that are positive and mm-hmm. valuable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not water the stuff that's, ugh, that didn't go well. Don't mm-hmm. replay that worry or that regret over mm-hmm. and over again. Mm-hmm. And then we can write joys down in a joy journal or something. Mm. But it's putting the reins in the other person's hand. Mm -hmm. Like, you've got this. You can find happiness. Mm -hmm. I can only give you tools. And those I'm happy to give. Yeah. Uh Happy to give. (laughs) So that's, I mean, that's my elementary. And it's so simple and so hard. Yeah. There's still, of course, days when it's like... I would really like someone to just come and make me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up, it's the cosmic swirl, but first a check-in. A year ago, I had been discussing how cool it is whenever you see large groups of people outside of their element Mm -hmm. and how, you know, you see that in a very familiar way around Halloween when all all of a sudden, (laughs) you know, the neighborhood is filled with all these people dressed up going door to door, you know, in ways that'd be totally inappropriate at any other time. (laughs) (laughs) We did have those high schoolers for a while who were trick-or-treating in September and we really enjoyed them and then they all graduated and moved away. But I was appreciating a year ago how there is a time in the late spring and in the early summer when you can go into the woods and see people hiking and looking at the ground a lot because (laughs) they are looking for morel mushrooms. Yes. My son Ender and I just had our fourth consecutive year in which we attempted to find some morels. And several weeks ago... My husband and I went up and we had a tip off about where to look. <laughs> and Frank, my husband, found like five morels. And it was so exciting that then Frank and Ender and I all went up the next weekend and we found 32 morels. That's a big leap. And all of us found some. And it was really exciting because I had that experience of like fixing your eyes on them. And so then you know what to look for and you start getting like this pattern in your brain about what you're seeing. And so like as I was trying to fall asleep that night, like I was seeing morels (laughs) because like my brain was practicing for it. And then two weeks later, we we had such a great time. We Mm -hmm. went up again. And that time, each of us found some great big ones (laughs) and it was so exciting and there's just something about going into the woods and looking for something that's super cool and precious and delicious and finding them right foraged food is just magical it was so much fun and it was so cool that all three of us had such a great time foraging together and enjoyed eating the results of it so much together and we are very careful with identification mm. and, and not only are we careful in the woods, but then I go home and I'm, I'm very careful about identifying with them. And, and each time there's been like maybe, maybe one mushroom that we decided, eh, it's not quite 
Not sure enough. the classic morale, so out you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that is my check-in. We found morels this year, and now we have a spot, and we can go back to it next year. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Oh, hey, by the way, what did Alexander Hamilton say to Aaron Burr when Burr asked him to take him morel hunting? I don't know. What did Alexander Hamilton say? <laughs> I'm not giving away my spot. <laughs> Next on our show, it's time for the Cosmic Swirl. And because Jamaica has had a very mundane and logistical sort of week, and Kodiak has had a week very much filled with cosmic thoughts, we're just going to go ahead and switch the order up so that the person with cosmic thoughts on the brain can share some of what she learned at her solstice retreat. So, <laughs> Kodiak, what is Cosmic Swirly to you? It is Cosmic Swirly, how people can participate in endurance challenges that lead them into trances and then spiritual experiences. Yeah, that's way more cosmic than what I've been doing. <laughs> and... You know, I've read about this sort of thing where, yeah. like, you know, people will, like, sing and dance for so many hours until, like, they go into a trance state and then have, like, some sort of a spiritual transformative mm-hmm. experience or, you know, fast their way into it or go on yeah. vision quests. And that always sounded really hard. <laughs> and <laughs> So you had not partaken in the intense physical transformation challenge before. No, ma'am, I had not. <laughs> Even though, you know, I want all of the big, interesting, cool, juicy spiritual experiences, mm-hmm. but uh, those sound really hard. But I had the opportunity to participate in a sweat lodge Ooh. this last weekend, and that was so fascinating. It, it was a tent area that was constructed with uh, a lot of sticks and blankets and sort of this you know, round mm-hmm. yurt-like structure. And we sat on the dirt and were in very close quarters and then covered up the doorway so it was very, very dark. And there was a pit in the center and rocks that had been in a fire for a long time were brought in one at a time and scooped up with a pair of antlers and and brought into the pit. And so we could see these glowing rocks and... It was very hot and very dusty. And we had a moment of singing and darkness and sharing prayers and releasing things. And then at the end to give a really big release, gave out some great big yells. Mm. And it was fascinating to go through something where... I didn't have to consciously do the hard work for my body to work hard because <laughs> right. it was just so hard being in there. Right. You know, just the existence in that space was challenging. In enough. the darkness and in the sweating and the heat oh. of it. And, you know, if that had been a sauna, I would have gotten out a mm-hmm. lot earlier. And so it was so strange to, you know, have the, the lightheadedness of you know, <laughs> giving out the yells and then have my body being like, who am I? Where am I? What just happened? And I'm like, oh, that's how you do <laughs> and isn't that an interesting thing about human beings that we can 
push our bodies into really uncomfortable situations and then get really amazing positive spiritual experiences out of them. And I can't decide if it's reinforcing and making that bond between your spiritual self and your physical self stronger Hmm. or if it's making them more distanced from each other. Hmm. I can't decide because I mean I have weird moments of revelation that come when I'm hiking up a challenging slope Hmm. and think that maybe I'm just done Hmm. and you know maybe I haven't done this so much with little children lately but um yeah, typically. I, I called it the church of outside and mm. would go and do hard things out of doors mm-hmm. up mountain slopes. And that's where I would find find my spiritual self. But yeah. I never really could tell if I was pushing my body into a place where it was so like numb almost that mm. it became quiet and mm. I could just, just be energy, just be mm. mind and spirit. Or if it was doing something that required so much of me physically that it would drag my floaty little mind back down to where I truly was. Hmm. And in the end, I don't think it really matters. <laughs> I'm always interested in how, within you know, the tiny bit of yoga that I <laughs> that that I know, but you know, that that kind that you know, so, so many white women practice throughout the U.S. <laughs> yeah. uh, but where there's that practice of you do the yoga and put yourself through this physical activity so that you can get to that quiet mental place. Mm-hmm. My mind is wandering because I'm thinking about labor and birth mm-hmm. and, and how I spent so much of labor really like kind of, kind of wanting off this ride and <laughs> <laughs> wanting to get out of, of the thing that my body was doing, even as I knew like this is special, I'm here, this mm. is important, you know, and not wanting to miss it, not wanting to have any sort of medical pain management still just to be physically in that body at that time deeply unsettling as you know (laughs) yes and yet there is like something really important that happens when you go with your body on that trip Hmm. and i don't know exactly what it is Hmm. but there is transformation that comes from just being a human and letting your body feel all the things that it feels and i always liked people would do something really physically challenging saying like, ah, you know, muscles hurt that I didn't even know I had. Yeah. Like, well, if that's the only way you're going to know they're there, then like, that's kind of (laughs) cool. And now we like to take a hard turn toward everybody's favorite segment. I can't believe I stuck my hand in there. In which we discuss things that are less beautiful, mysterious, and sublime. So Jamaica, where have you been sticking your hand? Well, I'd like to tell you a little bit about how bedtime goes around our house. Ah, bedtime. We in our family have a little tradition of making up bedtime stories that the kids participate in by selecting a character or a setting or some piece of the story. We, which by which I mean my husband Avery, will elaborate a story. Somehow this duty fell to him when I was deep in the trenches of nursing my <laughs> littlest and it just grew into this thing that happens every night. So they have the opportunity to choose elements of the story. And he has been a very good sport and gone along with pretty much anything they come up with. 
When we read the fifth Harry Potter book, they discovered how fun it is to hate a fictional character <laughs> who really deserves it. And I'm not talking about Lord Voldemort. <laughs> I'm talking about Dolores Jane Umbridge. Oh. <laughs> they love to hate her, and I don't throw that word around lightly. <laughs> well, she had it coming. She really did. And I think so often in their lives, I'm like, that's a pretty strong word for asparagus. You dislike asparagus. They're like, this is safe. They can just let it all loose. <laughs> And they do. <laughs> Somehow this very like charming and benign bedtime practice has become like a series of snuff stories. <laughs> you know, Avery will say, what, what would you like to hear about tonight? And one or all of my offspring will say something like, I would like a story about how Dolores Umbridge accidentally eats something with a potion on it that makes her fart until she dies and then everyone laughs. <laughs> or something like, I want a story about how Harry Potter and his friends put a spell on Dolores Umbridge and she shrinks down and then she falls in the toilet and she gets flushed into the sewage and then all the sewer rats find her and like tear her apart and no one can hear her scream. <laughs> And you can bet that if he deviates from the story or tries to soften it in any way, even my youngest will be like, I did ask her to die a horrible death. <laughs> so now, I mean, he's, he's been so patient and so accommodating. And at bedtime, like, would you guys like to hear a story? And maybe could it be not a Dolores Jane Umbridge story? <laughs> the funny little icing on the cake here is that, um, yeah, he made up a song, which, like, on his own head be it, because you never make up a song if you don't want to hear that song every day for the rest of your life. Yes, I made this mistake. <laughs> don't do it. I think it's a mistake you only have to make the one time. One iteration of this unending story had Dolores Umbridge somehow being part of a, a song that was sung at her. I don't know. But the song went, Dolores Umbridge is a fart. <laughs> Dolores Umbridge is a fart. <laughs> and yeah, that exists now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> And as always, we like to close our show by sharing gratitude. So Kodiak, this week, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for the Anne of Green Gables books. Oh. I am grateful to have stories with happy endings, even while they have real challenges, mm -hmm. with wonderful models of friendship and with an enjoyment of natural landscapes around us and models of truly enjoying one's community, even while getting a kick out of everything that is bumpy in the communities around us. What are you grateful for? I am grateful for the Ice Age. Yeah. I think it's so spectacularly cool that we live in an area that was shaped so heavily by 
just mounds of ice moving across our landscape and plugging up whole river systems to make colossal, colossal lakes that then burst from their ice dams and swooshed across the land, making channels and ripples that people couldn't wrap their brains around until we could get aerial imaging <laughs> to take a look at what we were actually walking across and see it for what it is. I think that's amazing. <laughs> Anytime anyone wants to talk with me about the Missoula floods or <laughs> different types of glacial debris left behind, I get excited. And now my littlest Ari is very excited about the Ice Age because he is getting to study mammoths mm. at Mammoth Camp. I love that there's Mammoth Camp. I know. And I think it's it's you know centered around the fact that there was this discovery of mammoth bones in Moxie, mm. which is near to Yakima. And this was, you know, decades ago, but we have like we have mammoth bones. They're local mm. mammoth bones, and he gets to go and see them and hang out with other little boys and girls who like the Ice Age. Mm. And that's just all so sweet. And to have someone who's like interested in the very specific paleontology that I'm interested mm. in and geology, it's um, it's very special. Mm. Well, we are so grateful to you, dear listeners. And as always, we're, we're just tremendously grateful for you sharing uh, this conversation about the things that are silly and things that really matter. Like the Ice Age. Us. Like the Ice <laughs> Age, absolutely. And, and once again, if you would like to sponsor uh, growing writers who are your, your future favorite science fiction and fantasy writers, you can come sponsor me and Clarion Science Fiction Fantasy Writers Write-a-thon this year and have your name or, you know, the name of your pet or your best friend with permission as a character in one of our ads. It would also really help us out if you subscribe to this podcast, if you give us a rating or, you know, a positive review on (laughs) Apple Podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and on SoundCloud. You can get in touch with us through Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram, and check out the website www.spiritoftheendeavor.net for photos, links, and vintage episodes. Thank you to freesound.org for our music. Thank you, as always, to our wonderful husbands, Avery and Frank, for putting kids to bed so that we can get together and record. This has been the Spirit of the Endeavor. I'm Kodiak Julian. I'm Jamaica Zogelman. See you next week. Bye. At Principal Camp, your principal can throw the assistant principal in the lake, TP the high school principal's cabin, play flashlight tag after lights out, catch pink eye, and sniff... Oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me. (laughs) (laughs) 